adult volunteers, you might want to come up or I'm going to call you up. So it's your call. Yes, thank you. Thank you. That's one. That's not a couple. All right. There you go. Come on up. There you go. Come up on stage, everyone. Everyone comes up on stage. I'm going to put this as the line. All right. There you go. No, I'm not. No, I'm not taping anyone up. Okay. Nope. Nope. Got very violent very quickly. All right. So, so here is what we're dealing with. Okay. So, today's verse that we're going to deal with, and we're going to deal with all of it, but it really stands out is the fact of verse 13 in Luke. It says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So we're talking a little bit about that today. So this right here is the dividing line. I'm going to say something. You get two options, okay? And when I give you the option, you have to decide which one you like the best. Is that simple enough? Okay. Yeah, basically, yes. Um, the first one is a very key question that I will really will make judgments about you about were vanilla ice cream or chocolate ice cream? All right, so if you like chocolate, you're over here. If you like vanilla, you're over here, and you cannot stand in the middle. No, you got to make a decision. Okay. Oh. Oh. I guess influenced. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that we were going to have that much pressure on the first one. That was an easy one. Okay. This one, I sort of know it's going to go. Fruit or vegetables? Uh, now it's become a kids versus adult thing. It's going to get ugly. Okay. Hamburger or hot dog? What is going on? Okay, this one's a big battle in our household. Not for me, but for my girls. Um, would you rather sing or would you rather dance? Sing or dance? Sing, then you're over here. There you go. Whoa. There you go. All right, you're with the older people. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, if you're, this is the whole part of the sermon. What you're doing is a great example of all of us. We want to, our cake and eat it too, don't we? Like picking right. No, I like how you listen. You're good. Thank you. Thank you. That's not allowed. You got to make a decision. Okay, make it, that's not making a decision. There you go. Okay, okay, a couple more. Cats? Do you like cats or do you like dogs more? I like dogs. Okay, you're over here. There you go. Oh, we got the lone, the lone ranger. Okay. Would you like, okay, it's a tough one. Broccoli or green beans? <laughs> Zero. Zero. It's just like I'm out the back. Okay, this one's a good one. This is, we got two more. Two more. 
snowball fight, water balloon fight. Snowball fight, water balloon fight. <laughs> Over here. Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, waters. Yeah. It could be fun. Okay. Last one. Do you like chocolate or fruit snacks more? Chocolate or fruit snacks? Okay. Chocolate's over here. And everyone ends with chocolate, which you all get a piece of chocolate for participating. There you go. Okay. Go ahead and sit down. There you go. Whoop. I got you. There you go. Don't jump. There you go. Here we go. There you go. You guessed. There you go. Gotcha. There you go. Can you give it up for all of them? I had a few fruit snacks, but I didn't think that was going to be really the, the play. So... Um, we are going to be in Luke 16, 1 uh, through 13, and uh, as we begin, I, I really wanted us to take a look at it, and I know like some of you saw the title and probably thought it was a mistake, Jesus v. Uh, money, uh, it, uh, versus, uh, I put Jesus v. money uh, in the sense that it, v. usually stands for uh, when uh, prosecution brings something uh, to, uh, to the defendant, that they're bringing a charge. They're bringing something. And Jesus is bringing a charge about money and how we handle it and, and all that. And so that's what today's going to be about is, is how we handle uh, our possessions, our things. Uh, we're going to be in Luke 16, um, verses 1 through 13 today. And, and just so you know, and, and hopefully many of you have read this uh, because we have... Um, uh, partaken in it, uh, as we uh, have said, just uh, that we're reading through this together. And what is really funny today is, uh, before I begin, is uh, I think this was in one of our le- the kids' lessons. I got, I saw this, and Janie, my daughter, had it. It said a little thing that said, give to God. And I was like, oh, that's funny. That's, you know, how we're supposed to live our lives. And it was just this little example of, of how we are supposed to and what are we supposed to give to God. So uh, let's, let's start reading with Luke 16. Um, it starts with, Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quietly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told them, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. 
Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourself in the eyes of others, but God knows your heart. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. That is the reading. And uh, Luke 16 is just all filled with, uh, with some beautiful stuff. But I'm telling you, if we kept going, it would be rabbit hole over rabbit hole, and uh, we would not get out of here. Uh, uh, this story in itself is a beautiful uh, and sometimes controversial, difficult story because you're dealing with a dishonest manager, right? And a lot of times we uh, struggle when people start using dishonesty and how is that commendable and what is good about that. And so we're going to take a look at that today. I'm going to give you the whole big outline right away. The entire chapter of Luke 16 is focusing on the stewardship of our earthly possessions and our resources. Luke 16 and 1 through 13 in particular is having an account of our stewardship. And how are we using the earthly resources? Now, this is a lot of times we put money exactly on that. That is, that is money. But we also have to realize that there's more than just money. That is our time. Okay, we have only a limited amount of time. Okay? We also, our talents, our influence, and also how we handle the gospel. All of those are more resources than sometimes we just we go into we we see money and that's it there, there's more but how do we how do we use these things for a eternal faithful use how can we use them in a proper way and, and i want to get this out of the way too i love the fact that jesus is not afraid to talk about our stuff and sometimes what we are afraid to talk about um I also want to get this out of the way. This is not a sermon for you to give more tithe, okay? Sometimes people start hearing about this. This is not it. Uh, this is not it. This is about all your resources and on the process of what that looks like to give eternally, perspective, and godly, okay? Uh, I'm letting you know if God wants Living Hope to succeed, he's in charge. And if he wants it to fail, he, he's in, still in charge, Okay? Uh, that is for you. Because sometimes when people start dealing, oh, it's just this. This is not it. This is a godly look at the scripture and a, a story that Jesus told. Okay? And the reason why I, I want to bring this up is because uh, sometimes when there's stories that Jesus tells that wreck you. And I, I put it in this, uh, the form of a car wreck. Like it's a car wreck because all of a sudden we have to deal with things that are uncomfortable. If you're in a car wreck, which I have been. I was driving down the road uh, in my Prius. Yes, back in the day, I upgraded to a truck. Okay, I get it. I was in my Prius, and this car was in front of me. We were going over the, it was just going over a nice little uh, light, and it's a little hill, and then there's a turn-only lane uh, to the left, but they can get in a lane 
and get to the left lane or you keep going straight. They were in front of me. I was driving fine. They got into like a little bit like, oh, they're getting all the way. So they get in the right lane. Okay. I was like, okay, I guess they're turning right over there. Like, you know how sometimes you get over to the ledge to let people pass? Oh no. They decided to do a U-turn right in front of everything. So I hit them and airbags go off. I like, I hit them. And like, I'm oh, like shaking up. They take off. They take off. Luckily, they ran into a sign. Uh, so uh, that, there was that. And luckily, uh, the lady behind me stayed and took care of it. But I tell you, that wreck got me, it shook me up. It made me look at life differently. It made me look at things in a different perspective. And that is what happens sometimes with Jesus' words. He, he does these things that like will say this and it will challenge us. And us as humans, what we love to do, we want all the airbags to go off to protect us. This would be like, oh, the pastor's bringing this up, so he get, the, the church gets more money. Or the, this is happening, so I don't have to do that. I am asking you not to put up those safeguards. I am asking you to let God speak through the word and wreck you, okay? That, that's a challenge for us today as we, as we dig into uh, this, this parable of the shrewd manager. And so we want everything to be for his glory and uh, in that process. And like I said, Jesus isn't afraid to talk about things that we sometimes are a little bit more sensitive to. He talks about hell. He talks about possessions. He talks about stewardship and he talks about our money. And this is one of those stories. Uh, a friend of mine gave me this quote uh, from, uh, it's, uh, from a church leader's article, and uh, uh, Brand Park said this. Think about it this way. There are 500 verses pertaining to the topic of faith and prayer. Yet, there are 2,350 uh, 2, verses dealing with money. And why is that? Because God knows that our attention toward money is an indication where our heart is with God. We will either follow after gold or God, and we cannot serve two masters. Money is to be a resource, but it is not to be my source. And I want, I want to set this, uh, uh, this reading up in, uh, from John eight thirty six. It says this, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Okay, and the reason why I think this is because I think this is a topic that many people are still enslaved in. Possessions, time, all of our resources, we are still enslaved to it because we haven't given it fully over to God. We still want to control it. It's one of those last things. Yeah, I'll give you this guy, I'll give you that. But this? No, money makes me feel secure. My time, I'm in control. It's one of those last things that we have fought and we are enslaved to. And here's the funny thing. This topic has nothing to do. It can enslave you if you are rich or you are poor. It can enslave you. You can be poor and you want things. You want this. It can enslave you. You can be rich and it can enslave you. This has nothing. There's not a secret dollar amount. Most studies find out that after, like, most people want double their money to feel secure. 
1998 study showed that almost 90% of people, that when they were studying, uh, if they were at the uh, 50,000 a year, they wanted 100. If they were at 75, they wanted 150. They were, it was never enough. There wasn't like this threshold. There, there's new studies out there that say like uh, more people feel comfortable at different levels, like 70,000 uh, for a family of two. You know, there's different levels, but there's this still, it's not enough. Is it controlling? Is it enslaved you? Has it enslaved your life? And that is what John 8.36 or 8:36 is talking about uh, in this process. So let's, uh, let's dig into the scripture. Uh, uh, let's look at verse 1 and 2. It says, Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and he asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. So the story's pretty cut and dry. There is this man, this rich man, who owns probably land, stuff, and he's got this manager, uh, our steward, which some people call him, that would handle his money and his property. And, and so, because, and it was probably land, a lot more land, because he had wheat, olive oil, um, and the, uh, because the manager was in charge of all of this, he is now being held into account because of something he did. And we don't know what that is, but the rich man said to the manager, was accused of wasting his possessions. So the rich man said, there is something, you are wasting my possessions, okay? There, there's something there. Um, and so, uh, the rich man says, uh, after that, he goes, he asking the uh, manager to turn in his books. I think this is a huge thing that we will all day one have to turn in our books of what we, uh, are held accountable for, what we have, what we, what we are representing. We too will be held account for what is happening. He's asking this, this manager, I want to see the numbers. Something isn't right. I want to take a look at it, and you will have to give an account of your stewardship. Have any of you been fired? Have any of you? No, you're all good workers. Okay, I have an epic story of someone being fired. It was this guy, this guy over, it was one of my first jobs, over months was being told that he couldn't be late anymore. He was late to everything, just Late and it, it was a Christian organization, so they were trying to work with them, even extra, giving them extra time, being like, "We know you have to travel stuff, but you you're showing up late to all meetings. Your 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 the the your kickoff times aren't even. You're not even showing up to the right time to your own events. Like we got to work this out." But it, he was finally told, "If you show up one more time late to staff meeting, we're going to have to let you go." Okay. Well, one day he showed up late. But he came in and he said that I couldn't make it because there was this horrible accident. There was this horrible wreck on the road, and there was, it was just horrible. I, that's why I was 30 minutes late. And it was so bad that he gave a description. If there weren't kids in here, I would say the description of one, of one of the things that had happened to one of the people there. And it was just bad. And so he was th- uh, just there. And so what happened, the whole rest of the staff meeting, they just prayed for the people. And then they put their hands on him and prayed for him. And, and they just they invested so much time to give God the glory in that time. So afterwards, the staff meeting uh, uh, ended. Uh, he was on his way. And, of course, he didn't lose his job. He kept his job. 
Well, the boss was so moved by it, he was trying to call the hospitals to to give something and to be able to do that. Now, remember, at this time, there wasn't the internet as quick access. Like, you can see stuff on Twitter. So he's calling around, but he, there, there's no, we, don't, we don't know of that accident. We don't know of that situation. We don't know of, uh, of that, what's going on. So he's like, well, it probably just isn't out yet. I'll wait till tomorrow. And the next day, sure, there was no accident like that. So he ends up calling the guy back and found out that he lied about it. He lied. I will tell you, he was fired. (laughs) He was held accountable for his actions. He was held account. He had to bring in the numbers, and the numbers did not match. They did not add up. And that is a great example of what is happening here. Something isn't right, and he's being called into account. Let's pick up in verse 3. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I am not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he calls in the first debtor, and he gives them a great deal. How much do I owe you? I'll give you half off. Next guy, he basically gives off 20%. He's like, I'm giving these off. He's giving, he's doing this. And I want you guys to know this, get something straight. The manager is not a moral manager, okay? This is not a story of being like, oh, look how moral he is for giving them uh, these deals. That is not the shrewdness that Jesus is talking about. The parable is pitching an example of a man who is in dire straits and is assessing his future holdings. He knows he's got a situation he's got to deal with. And he's got some cards to play with, and he's going to play them out for the best, okay? Because if not, his options are, I got to dig, and I got to work. I don't want to do that. And who knows? Maybe he can't. Or the other one is he's got to beg. He doesn't want to do that. So he has these few cards with him, and he's like, I got to play this, and I got to do this. He's, he said, and what is uh, amazing about this is he, he didn't wait till he was fired to make the move. He made the move right away when he knew he was going to lose his job, when he knew he had to make his priorities right. He had to make it. So what's the, manager say, the master say? The, man, uh, the master in verse 8 commend, commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly in this setting. So what he's doing here is, like, take a look at verse 8. He is a dishonest manager. What he did wasn't, like, it's still, he wasn't the moral compass. But what he did do is he acted shrewdly. And by thinking ahead, he acts prudently to maximize his future interest. He is being very smart about his future. He knows this is the play he wants. And so Jesus is exerting that his disciples be prudent to use their money, to use their resources generously so that God will richly reward them to the life to come. He knows that people in this world are often wiser in preparing for future realities than are God's children. Because that's why he says it. It says, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal uh, dwellings. 
And as I said, this is a dishonest man, but this is the fact that this man knew that he was going to be held accountable for his actions in life. He is awesome. Now Jesus is putting it into our, are we, how are we using our resources? How are we using our resources that we have because we know one day death is coming? We will hold account for the books. How do we use our resources, our money, our time, our stuff? Because it's his anyway. A lot of people say, well, I give my 10%. I give that. That's great. I just want you to know the other 90 is his too. Okay? Like, I want that to be clear. It's all his. We're just held responsible for it. And some of us are held with more and some are held with less. It doesn't matter. It's, it's we're held responsible for it. And don't tell me, and here's the funny thing, and so many people are, are like, you read this and you deal with it. It's a, it's a car wreck in my life. It's a car wreck. I am challenged by this. I am not walking away from this car wreck being like, yeah, I'm good. There's sometimes when you read the scripture, uh, even like, it's like, oh, man, this, oh, this area. Yeah, my time's here. My money's, my money's here. Well, maybe it's not. Like, maybe it's not. Or maybe it's my, my resources or whatever it is, my talents or whatever. I'm not using it fully for God. That's convicting. But here's the good thing. That's a good thing. Because now it changes you. It changes. I'll tell you one thing. After a car wreck, I hugged my daughters a little bit differently that night because my perspective was now more aligned and correct. And that's what, what Jesus is doing right here is are we aligned and correct? Are the books in order with our time, with our stuff, and our, our possessions? And that, that's just so key. And, and what I also want us to do, I like verse 9 where it says, um, uh, so much, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. I think one thing that I really want to process in this verse is, are you using your money so radically? Like if, if you're giving it away uh, to people uh, in other countries that will never see you, never hear about you, never get to see your face, but when you get to heaven, they, they know that you gave money and they found Jesus because some guy was using that money to do it. To, to, they met. And then all of a sudden they get to heaven and they're like, thank you. The eternal dwellings, the eternal friendships of the, because you've invested, because you saw the things the right way. You didn't, you didn't just hoard the money. You didn't build for this temporary stuff. You saw it. It's like there is, there is someone needs life. Someone needs Jesus. Someone needs it. And so I'm going to use that and give it. I'm going to give it away. And Jesus is encouraging his followers to be generous with their wealth and their life. And I am telling you this because I I wish, I think sometimes I wish it'd be like, hey, if you give 15% of your money this and you give 10% here, like, then you're good. Like, sometimes it'd be easier if there was a spreadsheet. The thing is, is Jesus wants it all. Because that's us, once again, putting up these, like, the wreck's happening. I want to I protect myself because I still feel secure if this much is in the bank account. This much is there. He's challenges his followers. He's challenging us to lay up treasures in heaven, not on earth. As I said earlier, your, 
worldly wealth does not just stop with time. It also de- or de- doesn't just deal with money. It deals with time. And the thing I talked about earlier as well is I want to say like Abraham had money. David had money. Matthew probably had money. There are many others that had money uh, following the gospel. And it's saying that let's not get it twisted. Money battles for our attention. The more money you have, though, sometimes it is harder. Jesus makes it clear it's harder because it can control you. It is more of a temptation. It is more of it. It's not saying that uh, we've been given. King David, King David, King Solomon, they had it. But think about what happened to Solomon. He got led astray because of all of it. And our big challenge is not to be led astray. Don't be led astray by our money, by our wealth or that. But to use it for his eternal glory, we always have to have that perspective. We always have to be the shrewd. Are we looking that way, that we're looking so eternally that the, the money and the possessions are all his? To be, to be completely honest, I know that some would probably say, oh, there's richer people in this room. We're all considered rich in the world. So what a blessing, but what a blessing we have and what a, uh, what a chore we have or what a joy we have to spread the gospel. It's all how you look at it. What a joy that we have this stuff to invest into others, to give to others. And I don't want us to lose sight of that. Because God will hold into account every penny that is used in our lifetime. And it's working on me, and it's working on our family, and it's working on hopefully this church family. What if we believed so passionately in the fact that we will give an account one day that we would forfeit our time, our wealth, and our authority to present it all to God? What if, it's all His. It's all His. And this is verse 10 through 12. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will, be also, will also be dishonest with much. So if, you are, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Jesus is noticing and he is putting in the character is established in the little things. What you do with the little things, what one does with little things is what one will do with large things. So that if one is do, it's a poor steward of money or in affairs of life, they will be uh, uh, the same way. They will be poor stewards with greater things. And I'm challenging you, what, take a look at your, yourself. What have you been given? You can all think of a co- co-worker that can't handle the smallest thing. Like they've been giving it over and over again. They can't handle it. Why would you give them more? They can't do the one job you're asking them to do. All all of us have know someone. It's like, I I like this guy or I like this girl. I just don't trust them all the way to that level. That's where we're at. Where are you at with that? Are you someone that is trustworthy with God's stuff? Are you trustworthy with his possessions. And I got to go here. I know uh, I I, got to go with no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay. 
There's two things here. Uh, I am going to play the video. It is one minute. It is a one minute video. There's two things. The discipline that it has, but I think it also uh, uh, plays into the effect of how we want to live life. Uh, let's see this video here. I've had my ups and downs, my fair share of bumpy roads and heavy winds. That's what made me what I am today. Now I stand here before you. What you see is a body crafted to perfection, a pair of legs engineered to defy the laws of physics, and a mindset to master the most epic of splits. video one can't do the splits two though but i think it plays so much into we want to serve god and money we're we're hanging on we are hanging on we're like yeah i love you god but i'm going a little bit farther i want to hold on to this i want to hold on to the money god's saying you can't you got to make a decision which one's god because if you choose one one will always get slide you choose money god slide it and there's times when you follow God, money's going to be slight. There's going to be a decision where you might not get as much or whatever. I'm telling you, you can't make that. And, I, and as the control is, I also find it really, the, he probably spends two to three hours stretching and doing that all the day. His discipline, but his focus of what he, he's, he's invested into is that. And my thing is, is what are we invested into? Are we invested into worldly things? Are we invested into eternally things? Eternal perspective. And are we a church that is, 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 is always looking towards that? It says, uh, uh, the stat that I got from Brad says this. Uh, they, did a, they did a study for uh, Brana study. They uh, asked over uh, 1,500 Christians, and they were polled. And they asked them about money. 22% of all Christians said the number one goal was to provide for their family. Next, that 15% was support the lifestyle I want. And then the next one was tied for thir uh, at 13, meet my obligation and needs and be content. Only 10% of all Christians said serving God with my money was the ultimate financial goal. That's Christians. That, that the ultimate financial goal. So I have to ask, where are we at? Where are we at? When the rich, when the manager was held account, he realized those things didn't matter. He had to build relationships. He had to build these relationships with these two guys or these two other debtors so that he would be protected. It's about relationships. And the thing is, is when you start dealing with relationships, it's different than things. There's no baggage with things. There's baggage with relationships. There's no hurt with things, usually. 
but there could be hurt with relationships. Relationships can be painful and hard, but that's what Jesus is asking us to do, to invest in an eternal relationship with him and with others, not with things. And Jesus says this was a dishonest man and he chose right. I'm gonna end with this story. Uh, I was watching this video and it was a hurricane. And this, this, they basically rent this RV and they go through town and they give money to people that are just distraught and in need. Well, they found this one family and he's just like, I can't, this uh, guy out there and he's just throwing boards and he's like, I can't talk. And they're like, well, what happened? And then finally his, he can't say anything. His wife says that we lost our four and a half year old. And then the guy says something, and he's like, I don't care about this house. I don't care about these, these things. And they, they were nice. They gave him $10,000. But I'll tell you, a guy receiving $10,000 looking at it did not care about the money. He was thankful, but he didn't care. He just wanted his boy. He just wanted his four-and-a-half-year-old boy. What happens if we looked at relationships like that? Like, I look at you, and I want to spend eternity with you. So my things don't matter. My house doesn't matter. My possessions don't matter. It's all yours. So I end with John 8, 36, as I began today. In the stewardship of your resources, of your possessions, of your money, of your time, are you free? Or are you a slave? So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. So I ask, as a manager of God's time and money, are you free indeed? Or are you a slave? Let's pray and let's worship together. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. We give you all of our stuff, all of our things. This church is yours. May it be used wisely. May, may it be given to the community. May it be given as a, as a sign as, a, as of you reaching out. And I thank you so much for who you are. And as we worship today, I, I pray that you wreck us like a car crash. Like, and just wreck us to the point where we see that we need to live differently and take those steps, whatever those steps are, May the Holy Spirit guide us. May the Holy Spirit lead us in this time. Not, not with us having these, these uh, airbags trying to say, well, I can do this, I can do that. No, let's, let just God and the Holy Spirit wreck us so we can be on our knees and go to you. And if we've been unwise with our resources, we repent. Let us worship you now in our song, but also our time and all that we have. We love and praise you in Jesus' name.